This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Sivan Borovich Yari was born in Israel, but her roots in Africa run deep. Her father was born in Algeria and her mother in Tunisia. Borovich Yari worked in Africa for a multinational clothing company and later for the United Nations Development Program, an experience that gave her first-hand exposure to the problems of the poor. In 2008, Borovich Yari set up Innovation Africa, a nonprofit that brings Israeli innovation to African villages. In five years, Innovation Africa has provided electricity, clean water, food, and medical care to more than 450,000 people in Ethiopia, Tanzania, Malawi, and Uganda. Energy poverty is a big issue, Borovich Yari says in this conversation with Wharton Management Professor Catherine Klein, who is also Vice Dean of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative. Borovich Yari notes that many problems can be addressed if energy needs, such as basic electricity, are met first. Hello, I'm Catherine Klein. I'm the Vice Dean for Social Impact at Wharton and a professor in the Management Department. I'm here today to interview Sivan Yari. She is the founder and president of Innovation Africa. Innovation Africa is a nonprofit organization that brings Israeli innovation to Africa. Hi, Sivan. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you. So let's start with you. So how did you come to found Innovation Africa? How did this start? Well, actually, it started while being a student. I, I got my master's from Columbia University. And my first year, there was an internship with the UNDP. And they were looking for students to go to Senegal. And the UNDP is? United Nations Development Program. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the internship was about taking students down to Senegal to go to the villages and check on UNDP work in bringing generators Mm. to villages. Yeah. And our job as students was to go and check and make sure that everything is working. What we find out is that most of the generators were not working mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, there was no enough fuel. People didn't have money to buy fuel, mm-hmm. the villagers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second, they were broken. Uh, and that's where it all started. Then I realized, you know, maybe we should look into solar panels no need operation costs, right. the sun is reliable, and that's where it all started, where I uh, wanted to do a pilot project, and I started by bringing solar panels to a village in Tanzania. Interesting. So you did, and that began eight years ago, right? You know, less. It's been uh, five and a half years, in 2008. Oh, got it right, five years, okay. Uh, and tell us a little bit about your you know, guiding principles or philosophy. So if you were saying, you know, when we go into a community in Africa, we mm. make sure that... Yes. What? Yes. Well, so what we are doing in Innovation Africa is bringing the basic infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So we bring solar energy so that we can provide light to schools and medical clinics and orphanages mm-hmm. and using the solar energy to pump water. So the demand is great all over, mm-hmm. whether we are in Tanzania, in Uganda, in Malawi, in Ethiopia, or most of African countries. So choosing the right villages is not easy. So you have to 
get involved with the government, the local government, and then the different district officers, and then the chief of the villages, and then the community. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand the needs. What really they need? Is it water? Is it vaccines, medicines? What, how can we help them? Mm -hmm. And then working with them and asking them to create what we call a solar committee, that is the first step so that we can work together and better understand how we can provide them with what they need in that village. Got it. And so how do you decide among villages? You said it can be difficult to decide among communities. It is difficult. So first, the way that we work is first we're meeting with the ambassador of that specific country, mm -hmm. let's say Malawi, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so we meet with the ambassador of Malawi to the UN, and then we ask him, and then he introduces us to the ministers. So we meet with the Minister of Energy, the Minister of Health, the Minister of Agriculture, understanding the country where there is the most need. We are looking for those districts that are very remote from the capital, remote from the grid, and when we are certain that they will not get electricity at least for the next 20 years. So we are going for those places where either there is drought or we are certain that they don't gonna have access to electricity for, for a long time. And that's how we start. And then when we go to those districts, mm -hmm. then we meet with the chief of the villages and, and even deep down um, to the community. And, and is there, so if you were facing two communities that are in need, what kinds of things would make you say, well, we'll have more success in this community or greater impact in this community? You know, so just by asking them to create a solar committee, mm -hmm. to have uh, a, a person in charge, chairman and treasurer and secretary and open a bank account, and I will tell you probably in a few minutes why it is necessary to have a bank account, and then looking at the leadership and mm -hmm. their commitment make us understand that that's probably will be a good village to work with and providing them with the solar systems that they need. And can you provide some context for, uh, for people watching this who may not know about the need for electricity and the need for oh. solar, for solar in, in these African communities? Yeah. So I think energy poverty is a big issue. And I personally believe that without energy, it's very difficult to have any kind of development. Mm -hmm. Whether we are talking about human development, better education, economic development, it's very difficult to do without access to energy. And energy is the mean mm -hmm. for everything. And let me be more precise. When we go to the villages and we go to a medical clinic, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Usually what we see is a nurse, and then people are just waiting, and they don't have vaccines, and they don't have medicines, and there is no electricity. And the reason why they don't have vaccines and medicines, not because the government doesn't have, is because there is no place to store the vaccines and the medicines. There is no energy. So we, the organization Innovation Africa, we bring 240 watts of solar panels. Mm -hmm. We install 12 to 18 light bulbs inside and outside of the medical clinic, mm -hmm. and we provide them with the small refrigerators. So now they have access to light and vaccines and medicines. In schools, they don't have access to 
electricity. Mm -hmm. They don't have access to electricity at homes. And many of the places that we are going do not have access to water. The problem or the truth is that there is plenty of water in Africa, mm -hmm. but the water is located in the aquifers, 20 meters, 30 meters deep. Mm -hmm. What we need is just the energy to pump it up. So you see thousands to millions of people looking for water a day, on average two to three hours a day, looking for wood and water, knowing that if they had access to energy, they could have pumped the water to just below their feet. Right. So energy is really just the, the, the first thing that is needed in order to have any kind of development. Um, so you know the saying, I'm sure, uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. So in what sense are you teaching individuals to fish? I, so now we, I'm going to tell you what's happened over the past five and a half years. So at the beginning when we started, we were going to medical clinics, mm -hmm. installed solar panels and light bulbs, inverters, control chargers, and batteries. My concern was, who is going to replace those batteries mm -hmm. in four years' time? Right. They're expensive. It costs $200 each. They don't have money. The nurse doesn't have money. The government is not involved. Who is going to pay for those batteries? And that was my concern. And over the years, what we realized is that people don't have food, don't have shoes, but they do have cell phones. Mm -hmm. They have cell phones, but they don't have a place to charge their cell phones. So we said, great, we're going to create businesses. Mm -hmm. So in the same medical clinic where we have installed energy, we have also created a business where we are teaching women, most of them are women, mm -hmm. accounting, revenue expenses, opening a bank account, and people are coming from all over the villages around the medical clinic. They are coming with their cell phones and charging their cell phones, paying 10 to 15 cents, mm -hmm. and that money is collected, deposited in a bank account, and used for two things. Mm -hmm. One, the need to use the money to buy light bulbs, and second, replace the batteries. So what we have really created is that we're providing them the solar energy, right. but also providing them with a way to generate income so that they can sustain, sustain it. Right. And, and in that business model, is the, are there business owners? And if so, who are, those, who are actually the business owners? The facility, the staff members of the schools, of the medical clinic, of the orphanages, they own it. The solar committee are in charge of the business. Great. Great. And that money is used to maintain the solar system inside of the facility. Now, the good news is that they are making more money than they need mm -hmm. because they are the only place that has energy. Right. So it's been quite... Uh, quite important and sustainable. That's great. So um, you, you mentioned that the, the people who are coming to the clinics to learn accounting and to open bank accounts and so on are, are mainly women. So talk a little bit more about that. These are, these are well, what is the role of women? What is the role of gender? Why, why are more women coming to these centers than men? Yes. So I think most of us know that women 
especially in Africa, they have they have to take care of their family, mm-hmm. which is they have to look for water, they have to take care of their kids, they have to take the kids when they are sick, and so women. We like to provide the energy, and we believe that providing access to energy to women really help them to have more power mm-hmm. and to empower women. Because once you pump water with energy, right. the women and the kids don't have to look for water anymore. Right. The kids can go to school. The women can use the water to grow food. Mm-hmm. They have food security, and they are healthier. And everything just change once you're providing to them. When you give electricity to a medical clinic, no woman can take care of their kids, get them vaccines and medicines. Mm-hmm. And so we are trying to help as much as we can men, women, and children. But for sure that the women are most affected and by, by the access to energy. Mm-hmm. And, and where do these innovations come from? Where do you, you know, who's developing these solar panels? What's the... How how are you deciding on which innovations to bring into these communities in Africa? So I was born in Israel, Mm -hmm. and um, Israel has been using solar energy for many years, and also um, different agricultural uh, techniques that we are now also brought to the villages. the technology that I would like to mention to you that really makes a difference mm-hmm. to us as an organization that comes from Israel is the monitoring system, remote monitoring system. Mm-hmm. What we bring from Israel is a small box, this big, yeah. that we are installing on top of the solar panels. That box sends information to a server mm-hmm. that allowing us and the donors to make sure that everything is working. Mm -hmm, We -hmm. can open the computer and see how much energy was produced, how much was consumed, and if something breaks, we get an alert. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we have 68 projects now in Africa, in Uganda, Tanzania, and Malawi. And just by having that monitoring system, remote monitoring system, we can make sure that everything is working. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, if something breaks, we get an alert and we can go and fix it. So that's something that really has been tra- very useful for us. Yeah, yeah. In order to scale up and make sure that everything's sustainable. And how are you in? How are you assessing your impact? How you know what what kinds of outcomes do you look for? Uh, you know, what do you find and how do you measure these things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, in schools, mm-hmm. what we are for the past five years now, we are getting reports on a monthly basis. And what we have seen, which pretty much makes sense, Mm -hmm. is that once you provide energy, electricity to a school in Africa, you have more kids graduating by the end of the years. And the reason why is because the kids, when they go home, Mm -hmm. they don't have access to electricity. Buying candles is very expensive. So either they stay at school or they come back and they study in the evenings. So... In schools, we can see the impact by the number of more people graduating mm-hmm. at the end of the year. In medical clinics, is that by the amount of people who got vaccinated and giving birth at night. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing now is that more people are feeling comfortable going and giving birth in medical clinics. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, one more thing that I should, not, I should mention is after the installation of the solar energy mm -hmm. in a medical clinic, usually you have a doctor that accepts to move to the village. Uh -huh. And we, Innovation Africa, are making sure to power, to solar power, the homes of the nurse and the future doctors. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. So that we keep them, right. we are welcoming them to come and live in the villages now that they have access to vaccines, medicines, and electricity. Right, right. So as, as you know, um, there's increasing interest in almost emerging, I would say, of business practices and nonprofits and for-profits, right? So there are many more people saying, I want to start a for-profit social enterprise to change the world, to improve the world. There are uh, nonprofits saying, I want to make sure that I'm using the latest business thinking and business strategies to, to um, strengthen this, uh, this nonprofit. How did you decide that this ought to be a nonprofit and not a for-profit? What, what kinds of choice points did, did, uh, did you think about or have you thought about since? Well, I think that Innovation Africa, what is special about what mm -hmm. we're doing is that we are charity slash business in a sense where we provide them, we give them the solar system, mm -hmm. but we're also creating a business so mm -hmm. that they can maintain the system. Right. Right. So it's something that is sustainable. And the money that is generated from those businesses are used so that it can go for long term. Because right. usually charities, they don't always have sustainable um, process of future sometimes. So that's, that's where we see mm -hmm. our work. Right. Been uh, doing well is because we are providing the charity, but also the business to maintain right, it. Right, interesting. And I saw on your website that the average age of a, the, the, the donors, the average age of a donor, I think, is twenty-three. Very young. Very young. So, very young. how do you? Yeah, what do you? What do you make of that? How do you explain that? We are very lucky. Everybody, we have many volunteers, mm -hmm. uh, interns. Everybody is very young. Many of the donations are coming online. Uh, $10, $15, $20, $100. $100. And what we have decided to do from the beginning mm -hmm. is 100% of the money, mm -hmm. really 100%, goes to Africa. And my salary, our salaries are all paid by foundations. Uh -huh. But for individual donors, it's... That's correct. Individual donors, right. all of the money goes to specific projects in, in Africa. Interesting, right. So um, we're conducting this interview on the, the Wharton campus, if you, and you know, in the Penn campus. If you think about um, business school students here and maybe elsewhere, other students, if you had a, you know, a wish list of what challenges these students or faculty might help you solve, you know, yes. God, it would be great if we could have business professors, business students, or other college students helping us to figure out, you know, to solve this next challenge, what, what might that be? Mm, very interesting. Um, I, I would like to suggest to any group of students, mm -hmm. I think that the best practice will be to adapt a project. We have a list of 38 villages now mm -hmm. that are waiting for energy. And we know that it's quite urgent and we would like to do it by 2014. If a group of students would like to adapt mm -hmm. 
a specific school or an orphanage, a medical clinic, and speak to the children directly mm -hmm. and figure out what their needs and see what we are already installing and providing them. We provide the energy, right. but there is more to energy that they need. They need computers, mm -hmm. they need access to the internet, and that's a challenge. Right. So there is more that can be done. The same for medical clinics. Mm -hmm. We provide them with the energy, but what else do they need mm -hmm. so that they can better operate and better do for patient, patient? So we can we welcome students to come and help us to do more research and better understand what's the next step. Great, great. Sounds like a wonderful opportunity. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Oh, this is great. And, thank you, Catherine. And uh, congratulations on your, your great work and success, continued success. You. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.